Hello and welcome to another episode of the Fairface Podcast. I'm your host, Shannon Sorensen, founder and CEO of Fairface Washcloths for Sensitive Skin. I'm so happy you're here to join me as we talk all things sensitive skin, wellness, and even a little small business. Now on to the episode. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Fairface Podcast. Today's episode is about a topic that seems to be trending lately. Well, either that or it's the fact that I've been much more interested in this topic since I'm heading toward menopause and I thought it was about time to have the chat. And I had to laugh as I said the chat because I pictured a mother having a sit down with her midlife daughter this time and talking to her as she probably did when she was a teen yet again about what is happening to her changing body. Mm-hmm. I mean, I actually wouldn't hate a conversation like that because as it goes on, it all seems like one big surprise after another as I head toward menopause. And full disclosure, I am not yet in menopause. I am still in perimenopause. And I'll talk about what that means in a minute. My sisters and I often talk about our latest symptoms and laugh at all the annoyances that this time of life brings. But it is nice to have them to talk to about it, to figure out what in the world is happening to us, because they get it. My older sister shared a great perimenopause menopause resource with me that I look to often for this type of information, and I'm excited to share that with you. This resource is a wonderful board-certified OBGYN, Dr. Mary Claire Haver, who specializes in menopause and perimenopause education and treatment. And she offers a wealth of information on her Instagram, on her blog, and her book, The Galveston Diet. So I recommend you go look at her account, and I will post it in the show notes. Her handle is at Dr. Mary Claire. And basically, everything you ever needed to know or didn't know you needed to know about menopause and perimenopause can be found through her very educational posts. And a lot of what I'll talk about today is based on information I have learned through her. So when does someone go through perimenopause and when might someone go through menopause? So let's first look at perimenopause. According to Dr. Haver, and this is paraphrased, for most women, our ovaries produce normal amounts of estrogen until our 30s and 40s when the amount of estrogen produced begins to decline. And not just decline, but in an erratic way, which marks the beginning, so to speak, of perimenopause. And this erratic decline in estrogen can cause all sorts of symptoms. And this can last up to 10 years, which I never knew before. So now let's look at menopause. Menopause is defined as not having your period for 12 consecutive months, and your ovaries at this point are now making very little estrogen and progesterone, and this can happen as early as age 45 and as late as 55. 
Now, I'm sure that there are other ages outside of that range, but these are the ages that I remember Dr. Haver sharing as a statistic. Now, some people at this point still experience the side effects of these hormone fluctuations now due to lower, low hormone levels during menopause. And although the longest I've gone without a period so far was a little over four months, and I thought I thought I was nearly done, but it came back with a vengeance. So I am not done yet. So estrogen or the lack thereof is a key part of perimenopause and menopause. So what does estrogen do for your body? Well, estrogen, as it turns out, is responsible for many, many systems and functions in our bodies, way more than just reproductive. Estrogen does regulate menstrual cycles, but it also affects the reproductive and urinary tracts, pelvic muscles, breasts, skin, hair, bones, joints, mucous membranes, your brain, and your heart and blood vessels. And that was from Hopkins. Hopskins? Why does that sound wrong right now? <laughs> okay, and there's a bus honking. Thanks. Hopkinsmedicine.org. <laughs> anyway, uh, Dr. Haver said that we have estrogen receptors in almost every organ system in our body. And because we lose estrogen during perimenopause and menopause, we can have symptoms associated with those losses. And you can see why, since estrogen does so much for our bodies. So let's take a quick look at progesterone, which is also a hormone that declines along with estrogen during perimenopause and menopause. So what does progesterone do for your body? In simple terms, progesterone is a hormone that affects your mood, memory, and quality of sleep. And what I read on Women's Health Network was that unlike declining estrogen levels, your progesterone levels may suddenly plummet. So while your estrogen levels can remain high and your progesterone suddenly plummets, this is what creates this, this unbalanced ratio between estrogen and progesterone that can cause a lot of trouble. And let me, uh, let me talk about, give one quick word about testosterone, because that's, I know that's also talked about with, um, with the changing hormones. So testosterone is, is one of the hormones that also decreases as we age and this can affect, oh my goodness, sorry. <laughs> I'm having buses driving by right now and they're honking. Hope you didn't, whatever. If you heard it, there it is. <laughs> anyway, back to testosterone. It is also, like I mentioned, one of the hormones that decreases as we age, which can affect libido as well as loss of muscle mass. So although I'm not gonna talk a lot about that, Dr. Haver has a lot of good information about what testosterone levels are normal and who might benefit from supplementation. So check her resources for that. But along those same lines, Dr. Haver, who is an advocate for hormone replacement therapy, if it is appropriate for the person, 
says that by replacing the lost estrogen and progesterone, and for some testosterone, but by replacing those missing hormones, it can help to reverse many of the unwanted symptoms of perimenopause and menopause and help to regain the advantages to the body that these hormones offer to all the systems of the body that they affect. Okay, so let's talk about some of those pesky perimenopause and menopause symptoms and hope that we don't get any more buses driving by. (laughs) So Dr. Haver has shared through posts on Instagram and her blog and book that symptoms of perimenopause and menopause due to fluctuations and changes with hormones like estrogen and progesterone can include things like, um, now this is kind of a long list, so you can listen to see if any of these symptoms apply to you. Okay, some of these symptoms can be breast pain, irregular periods, dry mouth, dry itchy skin, sensitive skin, dry eyes, hair loss and hair changes, heart palpitations, panic attacks, depression, constipation, dizziness, hearing loss, brain fog, memory issues, urinary incontinence, decreased libido, rage, belly fat and weight gain, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, ADHD, frozen shoulder, gastrointestinal disturbances, insomnia, headaches, hot flashes and night sweats, and joint pain. And there could be others, but this is what I collected from her blog and Instagram. And when I look over this list, I think, isn't this just normal life? (laughs) I'm guessing many of us have had one or all of these symptoms at one point in our lives. I know I have had many of them. And it's interesting now, though, to look at this list and realize that the symptoms I currently experience and those I've dealt with before were and are most likely associated with perimenopause. And who the heck knew that? I sure didn't. So I'm going to share a few of the symptoms I have experienced myself. But first, let's take a look at what our changing hormones does to our skin. So what happens to our skin during perimenopause and menopause? Well, when our estrogen levels begin to decline, unfortunately, our skin also begins to go through changes. And these are some of the things you might experience. Our skin begins to lose its elasticity. You may experience itching, irritation, rashes, and dryness, and your skin may become much more sensitive. Your skin is prone to becoming dehydrated because it is less able to retain water than it used to. And you may experience acne maybe for the first time. Your skin may become slower to heal than it used to be, and your skin becomes thinner and can bruise more easily. And because we have less collagen, the skin can look wrinkled and even sag. (laughs) That doesn't sound very great, does it? However, there are some things that we can do to help minimize these effects, and this doesn't include taking HRT, 
hormone replacement therapy, which can minimize these effects as well. So here are some recommendations for a good skincare routine for perimenopause and menopause. And these recommendations have um, come from Dr. Erica Kelly, who I found on the galvestondiet.com. And some of these recommendations are from me, Shannon Sorensen, CEO and founder of Fairface Washcloths for Sensitive Skin. So here we go. Number one recommendation is to wash your face with warm water, not hot, and use a mild cleanser with no added fragrance that's made for sensitive skin and avoid abrasive textures. Some of the sensitive skin products I recommend, first, a sensitive skin cleanser. You know I love Vanacream Gentle Cleanser. It has no added fragrance or texture beads of any kind. It is creamy and gentle and never irritating. My dermatologist recommended Vanacream products for my rosacea sensitive skin, and I've been using this cleanser for years. Now, if you have acne, you might need a gentle cleanser that contains salicylic acid. So I don't have recommendations for that, so you might need to ask your dermatologist for um, recommendations for a good cleanser if you are dealing with some acne issues. My recommendation for a sensitive skin face cloth, you know I love fair face washcloths. They are the only washcloths I will use on my sensitive face. Anything else is just too abrasive. And trust me, before I started creating these washcloths, I tried traditional baby washcloths, but they were still too abrasive. They have the um, mini textured fabrics and it's just too much for my skin. Fairface washcloths, we make them with soft, gentle, 100% soft cotton flannel, and it glides across your skin without any irritating textures. They are by far the best face cloths and washcloths for sensitive skin, and you can find them at fairfacewashcloths.com and fairfacewashcloths.etsy.com and I will include links to those in the show notes. The second part of a good skincare routine during this time of life is to moisturize your face and body with a fragrance-free moisturizer. And with hyaluronic acid is best because that attracts water, it attracts moisture, and use it after each warm face wash and each warm shower, not hot water. And the key is to apply it while your skin is still damp. So basically you are locking in all that water and all the moisture that you can. Now, as far as products that I recommend, a sensitive skin moisturizer, if you've been following me for long, you know that I love CeraVe moisturizing cream. It is thick, creamy, and gentle, and I apply it to my face as well as my body, and it is very moisturizing, and I've been using it for years and love it. The third part to a good skincare routine is to protect your skin every day by applying a full-spectrum sunscreen of SPF 30 or higher, 
and you know that I am a crazy advocate for sunscreen, you need to make it part of your daily routine and understand it is not just for sunny days. It's for blocking UVA and UVB rays that are out every day until the sun sets. Even if you can't see the sun, if it's behind the clouds, like it often is here in Seattle, but trust me, those those harmful rays are still in the sky. They are still out when the sun is out. So sunscreen 365 days a year. Now the sunscreen, sensitive skin sunscreen that I recommend, it's one that I've been using for many years. It's Eucerin SPF 30. It is daily coverage. I put it on my face. I put it on my neck and chest and arms. And I love it because it is lightweight. It's great coverage and it's not too thick for under my makeup so I could wear it with makeup and it doesn't irritate my skin. And it is a chemical and mineral combination. So not sure if that would work well for you or not, but it's one that I have used for years and my skin tolerates well, even though I do have rosacea and sensitive skin. And many dermatologists say the best sunscreen is the one that you'll use. So find your favorite and wear it every day. The fourth recommendation for a good skincare routine during perimenopause and menopause, this was actually recommended by the doctor and it's one that I follow, is to add skincare products that contain retinol or peptides to your routine to help increase collagen, which can help with the wrinkles. So the sensitive skin retinol that I recommend, I have shared before that I started using Olay Retinol 24 cream with peptides. I started using it about seven months ago. And since I have rosacea sensitive skin, I use it every other day and I add CeraVe moisturizing cream on top of that to reduce any potential irritation or dryness. Now, if you want to try it and you're afraid of irritation, I suggest try putting a layer of moisturizer on your skin first um, to kind of create a buffer and then add the Olay on top of that. And you can try it and see how your skin tolerates it or first before you do that, you could also ask your dermatologist what they recommend for your skin. The fifth recommendation for a, an optimal skincare routine during this time of life is to drink lots of water to keep your body hydrated. And bonus, this can also help with dry eyes. That is also something that I deal with. So I sure try to drink enough water, but I know that I'm falling short. Always try to drink more water than you probably think you need and try not to drink much caffeine because that also has a drying effect. And the sixth recommendation and final one is to make sure that you're making your yearly skin cancer screening appointments with your dermatologist or sooner if you see any concerning skin changes, because that's really important. 
So let's shift gears a little bit, and I'm going to share a few other perimenopausal symptoms that I have personally experienced over the last several years, and maybe you've experienced these too. The first one is heart palpitations. And in particular, I remember some of them beginning in my mid-40s. I started having heart palpitations that scared the heck out of me and prompted me to go to the doctor. And I had to have a stress test where I ran on a treadmill to get my heart rate up for a certain length of time. And then they had me immediately lay on a table while my heart was still pounding from the exercise so they could watch how my heart responded. Then they had me wear a heart monitor taped to my chest for several days to collect data. And I had to write down whenever I felt a palpitation so they could match that with the data from my heart to see if there was a correlation. Now they didn't find anything worrisome, thankfully, but I also wasn't told why I was having heart palpitations. And so I walked out of the office and had no other information which looking back doesn't make a lot of sense, but now I know it was very likely due to hormone fluctuations because I still still have a lot of heart palpitations. But instead of it totally freaking me out, now I just know I guess it's normal for me during this period of my life. Another thing that I have experienced was brain fog, (laughs) or as I like to call it, I just can't think. Brain fog can be defined as trouble focusing, fatigue, forgetfulness, or hazy thinking. It's something I remember noticing in particular when I was working at a school about seven years ago. The manager I worked with would tease me when I couldn't remember words. Like we'd be talking and I would forget the word clipboard and say, will you grab me that Um, that, you know, that thing that you put papers on and clip it. (laughs) And it was funny in a way, but it was also frustrating because I felt like I just couldn't think sometimes. Like the best way I can describe it is that my brain was tired. And in my position, I had to remember hundreds of children's names, their parents' names, and even for some, their grandparents' names. And sometimes it felt like my brain didn't have enough room. I hadn't remembered feeling that way when I was younger. I went to college and graduate school and could think just fine. And some days I just felt like I couldn't think. And other days I felt fine and didn't have that same fogginess. And sometimes I joke to myself that I'm glad I went to graduate school in my late 20s when I could still think. Yeah, I mean, but really, I have learned a lot of things since then, and many more upon starting and running my own business. And I still have moments where I feel like I have much more thinking energy than others. And I just have to laugh when I forget why I've walked into a room, or when I can't think of a word or someone's name. And it almost hurts when I finally remember it. But the key to all of this is fluctuating estrogen. So when estrogen levels are low, it can affect your cognitive abilities and cause what many call brain fog. And I'm assuming it also has to do with the progesterone levels, since that can also 
have a problem. You can have problems with memory with that. Now, my mom and I have recently been playing Scrabble together, which is new for me, but it's so fun. And I think it helps to grease the wheels of both of our brains. So that's a good thing. I mean, we've all heard that it's important and helpful to stimulate our brains as we get older to help maintain mental cognition. And that can be with different types of learning and activities and thinking, using word games and crossword puzzles and painting, singing, playing Scrabble, learning new crafts or playing memory games. I mean, my grandpa on my mom's side, who lived to be 90 years old, did the crossword puzzles in the newspaper every single day. He was very sharp and didn't show mental decline at all. So I need to obviously either pick up crossword puzzles or keep playing Scrabble. But anyway, I just went off on a tangent. And P.S. being a man, my grandpa also didn't have the same hormone challenges that women do. But it is still great for your brain to do those types of activities that can stimulate different areas of the brain. Now, another symptom that I have um, endured are panic attacks. And I have also suffered through these, well, it came on about five years ago. And it's a whole nother level of horrible. So if you have dealt with those yourself, I'm so sorry. I understand. And I have worked really hard to get through that and had some counseling and some tools that have helped me. And I have worked really purposefully on my mind and the way that I think about things and um, putting certain practices into place so that I can help myself through that. And I still have my moments, but through the things I've learned, I've been able to deal with it better. Knock on wood, of course. But it's hard to know whether hormones were a part of that or not, but I have to believe that it is. Now, let's talk about hot flashes for a minute, since this is the thing most people associate with menopause. And these can also hit you during perimenopause because it happened to me. And FYI, if you've seen a middle-aged woman fanning herself profusely, (laughs) she could either just be hot or she's having a hot flash, which requires quick, almost aggressive fanning, by the way. I have gone through this myself. I had hot flashes for about three months, multiple times a day and at night, which kept me awake all through the night. When they hit, I also felt lightheaded, anxious and queasy at times. So it wasn't fun. They went away. I don't even know how, but I hope they don't come back. It was pretty awful. It's basically like your body just turns up the heat by a zillion degrees and all your blood has been replaced with hot lava flowing through your veins. And it does feel like you're standing in an actual oven. And I don't know, mine lasted maybe five minutes or more, but it would slowly start tapering off and then I would get cold and chilled. (laughs) So how's, how's that for you? Sweater off, sweater on, always bring a sweater. 
Some people have sweat dripping down their faces and all their body parts, and others have such severe hot flashes at night that their sheets get wet. So anyway, there's a whole spectrum there. But hopefully mine don't come back, but I'm not convinced that they won't. And the last the last symptom that I've experienced that I will touch on is weight gain and belly fat. Though there are many more symptoms to choose from, unfortunately, but this is the last one I'll talk about. I mentioned earlier that the longest I've gone without a period so far toward menopause was 126 days, which is a little over four months. And I really thought it might be the end. But then, like I said, it wasn't. And my period came back with a vengeance. But during that four months, I did notice that I gained a bunch of weight. Now, granted, I wasn't focused on healthy eating or anything. So I wasn't limiting myself. Um, You know, I was eating all the delicious things. I was eating chips and cookies and donuts and What I'm saying is that I wasn't trying not to eat those things, so that could have contributed to my weight gain, but I found I had gained weight across that four-month period that seemed more than normal to me, and my stomach was part of it. Dr. Haver says that many of her patients first come to her because of weight issues that they have gained weight even though they haven't changed anything about their diet or exercise routine, and in particular, people who have never had problems with belly fat are now seeing it and can't figure out how to get rid of it. So her book, The Galveston Diet, which isn't so much a diet as it is a guide for nutrition and lifestyle changes, outlines how to help with weight issues by doing things like increasing your fiber intake each day, keeping your added sugars under a certain amount each day, exercising and strength training in certain zones, and doing stress reduction activities to keep your cortisol level cortisol levels down. Cortisol? Cortisol. Hmm. Anyway, so have you had any of the symptoms we've talked about or any others that we haven't talked about? I would love to hear about your experience. Menopause and perimenopause are subjects just not talked about a lot, but I'm happy to see them in the spotlight right now so we can all get more informed about what is happening to our bodies and to feel more normal and less alone. It's kind of sad for me to think that within the last 10 years, I have had so many of the symptoms I mentioned on that list And I had no idea that it could be related simply to my hormone fluctuations. Knowing that, I may have opted to use something like an IUD, which can help regulate hormone levels and help alleviate some of the symptoms that I dealt with. I think it was on Dr. Haver's website that says something like, suffering is optional. No more suffering. We don't need to go through this natural phase of life alone, and we don't need to go through it suffering. I hope that bringing some of these things to your awareness has helped you. And I really would love to hear from you. You can email me through our website, fairfacewashcloths.com, 
or you can message me through Instagram at Fairface Washcloths. So again, I hope that this has helped. It's been so nice chatting with you today, as always. And if you are interested in trying our soft washcloths for your sensitive skin, you can find them again on fairfacewashcloths.com and fairfacewashcloths.etsy.com. And I will include those links for you in the show notes. So take care and I look forward to seeing you next time. Thank you so much for listening. You being here means so much to me. In order for us to keep making and sharing the best washcloths for sensitive skin, we need your help. Please keep sharing about our podcast and posting about our washcloths on social media. And be sure to tag us at Fairface Washcloths so we can say thank you. Our soft washcloths are a vital part of my sensitive skincare routine and for so many others. And I know they can be for you too. Shop our soft washcloths at fairfacewashcloths.com and our Fairface Washcloths Etsy shop. Thanks again so much for being here. Take care and I will see you next time.